नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते I bow to the Supreme Lord in Himself, in all things, and in all of you. I would like to read today from the book Conversations with Yogananda. The Master's approach to truth was pragmatic. During his early years in America, certain persons were claiming in public that they would live forever. Study them, the Master advised when someone asked his opinion. Look for a few obvious signs. Is their hair falling out? Is it turning gray? Do they wear dentures? Are their faces becoming lined? If they manifest any of the common symptoms of mortality, how can they be believed when they claim they'll live forever? Ignore those claims. Those people are counting on not being around when the time comes for proving their claim. They'll have slipped away conveniently to the astral world and won't have to face the people they've hoodwinked. Meanwhile, they enjoy the glitter of a false notoriety. What is the use, anyway, of keeping the physical body indefinitely? Even were it to remain in perfect and glowing condition, the body, or rather the very ego that constructed it, is a prison. You aren't this body, you aren't this ego, you are the immortal soul. In superconsciousness alone does immortality exist. I know some people came to me a few years ago and claiming to be students of Babaji, they wanted to encourage everybody to live immortally. Well, Babaji has a divine mission. But I said to them, my goodness, if, if everybody were to remain, were to become immortal, um, what, what a discouraging thing. Supposing Michelangelo, for example, that great artist who lived four or five hundred years ago, supposing he were still living, what chance would a poor young artist have today? Growing up, trying to develop an art that he mastered centuries ago. There's a need for change. There's a need for turnover. We need new life. We need new ways of looking at things. We need new um, expressions of our own selves. Master used to talk about people becoming psychological antiques. That, uh, you see, there was one boy I knew, one, young, one man I used to know, that had the same melody I knew him several years, and it was always the same melody, sort of a um, tuneless ditty, but it was always the same one. So many people, they sort of, um, well, you know, I, I'm an old man myself, but usually I don't like to mix with older people for the simple reason that they usually seem to be in a rut. I like people whose minds are fresh, whose, who are able to think in new ways. And uh, I remember... Someone said to me once, he was an older man, about my, a little less than my years, actually, and he said, I'll try anything once. I said, well, you mean like jumping off a building, swallowing poison? Uh, I told him a few ridiculous things you certainly wouldn't want to try even once. And he said, yep, I'll try anything once. 
people, that's how people are. They get in such a rut that they can't even think. You ask them a question, and they're still in their own little rut, and they, they didn't even listen to me. Now, that isn't what you want, and that's the trouble with most people as they get older. Well, I know some psychological antiques of 20 years old, but don't be like that. Be fresh. Be ready to listen to new ways of looking at things. And uh, I know in our community, I found it very um, helpful in leading people that I don't have fixed ways of doing things. If uh, I have an idea and somebody has another idea, I'll go along with that idea. If it isn't, if I see it won't be a disaster, for the simple reason that in going along with it, I myself keep myself flexible, but there's an opportunity to, new th to do new things, and they have an opportunity to learn. One very successful businessman said that he owed his success to the fact that he allowed his subordinates to make mistakes. Don't think that everything has to be exact and perfect, because things can never be perfect if they're exact. Perfection is something behind exactness. Perfection is behind something behind the fixity of definitions and so on. And how often I have heard people, and yes, it seems to be true, the older they get, the more fixed they become, but it seems also to be true that this is just the way human nature is. It gets into a pattern, and then it goes on that way. You know, in our community of Ananda, um, we have a very strict rule not to drink alcoholic beverages, not to take drugs. And they're important rules. But one day somebody came to me, and I suppose he had sort of had a little moment of rebellion, and he was drunk. And I didn't say anything. And when he left the house, I remember he was staggering around. Fifteen minutes later, I heard him still crashing in the underbrush. I had to go out with a flashlight and show him the path. But, uh, you know, I never said anything to him because I knew that he was only kicking up his heels and sort of expressing his rebellious spirit. If I accepted it, he wouldn't do it again, and he didn't. He's been a faithful member now for 36 years. But give people a chance to be themselves. Give people a chance to see things in different ways. Give people a chance to define things in different ways. And uh, also remember that believing does not make a thing true. How many centuries people imagined that the world was flat? That didn't make it flat. When they found out it wasn't, then they discovered. But you know, I've often thought, well, gosh, when I've been at sea, and I, I had to cross the Atlantic nine times when I was a child, because although I was born in Romania, my parents were brought back to America every three years or so. And so on those trips, I would, I would, uh, on the ship, I was, I used to notice that ships in the distance never began as a small spot in the distance, but gradually grew. They came up over the horizon. First you'd see their mast, and then you'd see a whole ship. But it was obvious to me that something was odd. I didn't think in terms of the roundness of the earth, but you'd think with all the people who for centuries had been observing ships coming out into the uh, visibility from the distance, coming up, as it were, out of the ocean, somebody, you'd think, would have had the thought that maybe the world is round. 
But they didn't think that way. People don't ask questions. They used to imagine that the uh, sea ended at a certain point, and that was the end. Well, then where did the water go? You'd imagine that there would be this great drain of water sucked out over that precipice. You'd wonder how this ocean even managed to keep, remain an ocean. Sometimes one wonders why people didn't ask the obvious questions. But there is, as I said, a difference between belief and faith. And in religion, this is very important. Because, you see, religion is one field in which people can't, at least quickly, test their beliefs. And if they are told that uh, God is blue and plays the flute, well, he's blue and he plays the flute. And somebody else says, no, 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 he's my mother. Well, how can he be? And so you get ridiculous fighting all over the world because of little tiny beliefs, little differences of belief. There's an interesting passage in, in uh, this um, book, God is for Everyone, and it's written in my guru's name, Belief is hypothesis. Faith, on the other hand, is born of experience. In the evolution of thought, conditioned as we've become by scientific methodology, it is time we focused on the actual experience of spiritual truth and on the wisdom brought by that experience. It is time all men recognized as superstition the separatist but unsubstantiated claims so long prevalent in orthodox religion. Faith is wisdom, and wisdom is the awareness of man's relationship to cosmic verity. In your religion, don't be satisfied with just dogmas. Don't be satisfied just because even a whole culture that you've been brought up in says that such and such is so. Find out for yourself. My guru's guru one time when he was a boy, his mother told him there was a ghost in a closet. Well, immediately he went to the closet to find out. She was trying to keep him out by frightening him, and he expressed great disappointment in finding no ghost there. Well, have the courage to test your beliefs. It's like a hypothesis, and the testing sometimes is not easy. You know, Edison, Thomas Edison, when he invented or discovered, really, you speak of inventions that always are a discovery because the truth is always there. But the filament for the electric light bulb, he experimented 43,000 times with different filaments before he found one that would work as, and become incandescent and not fall apart in an electric light bulb. Well, he had reached about 25 exper experiments when all his co-workers just said, oh, for God's sake, we can't go on. He said, no, we haven't found out yet. We must try. Well, that kind of experimentation is what I mean. Not just going into a closet and, oh, there's no ghost there. That's simple enough. But I mean, when it comes to your meditation, don't think, well, I tried it and it didn't work. There is a certain level of faith inside us that we know this has to be true. And if we will try it, and if we put it to the test, it doesn't work once, try it again and again and again. It's sort of like threading a needle through a need, uh, a thread through a needle. You you put you you have to first of all draw the thread to a fine point, then put it carefully through the eye of the needle. But if there's a, even one little strand not 
quite drawn to that point, the thread will mesh. Nor can you, with sort of blustering arrogance, say, I'm going to get this thing and just try to jam the thread through. You've got to do it sensitively. You've got to do it in tune with the way threads are in trying to go through small holes. And you've got to be careful to make sure you've drawn it to a head. All these things have to be. You, the kick it kind of uh, re uh, repair job is not usually the right one. It's the one I seem to be better at myself. But uh, normally, if you really want to tune in to something and make it work, you have to be sensitive to its realities. Same with people. You have to be sensitive to their realities. You have to be sensitive to life and the way it is. But always, the question to ask, and this is where science has been very helpful to religion, they, scientists ask the simple question, does it work? It isn't enough to think it should work. Find out if it does. This is how science, back at the very beginning of scientific investigation, they decided they didn't know the answers to questions like, is there a God, or are there angels, or all those things that are so fascinating. They said, really, the only questions we can answer definitively are related to mass, weight, and motion. That's pretty basic and pretty pedestrian and kind of dull. But do you realize that with those simple questions asked again and again on more and more subtle levels, that they've reached the point where they've discovered that there are many dimensions, that the, the greatness of space is 100 billion stars, and beyond that, who's counting? A vast universe, not just of, you know, in my Bible, it actually says, and this Bible was printed in 1926, I think, it says that the Earth was created in, in the year 4004 B.C., at 9 a.m. Now, I may not be exact in my timing, but it's sort of like that. Well, now we know that the human race has been around a long time. They've even found that in a, embedded in a piece of coal, which is God knows how many millions of years old, they have found a nail. Now, you couldn't get a nail in a bed of coal if it had not been crystallized there by the coal itself. They have found shoe uh, prints that are well over a million years old with lacing of the, of the, so on the soles of the shoes. They have found amazing things that they couldn't have known then. You know, a hundred thousand years ago, they found a, an antelope skull with a hole in it that could only have been produced by a high projectile bullet. It, it had been a spear or an arrow, it would have shattered the skull. This was just a clean hole. Test your truths, because science has brought us to the point where it's almost on the border of religious experience. Understand that far beyond that, there is a high and wonderful truth, and that that truth can never die. That is the truth that we are seeking in religion, not how Many atoms are there in a molecule. That's trivial. But the truth of your being, who you are in relation to the universe, this is the truth that religion asks. This is what takes religion beyond science. As Master, as my guru put it, the yogi becomes the atom. The scientist can only discuss the nature of the atom. 
become the atom that is your own true self. Joy to you. Some men call it progress Down with those who doubt To join the causes Others join and shout When others shout Come, you're a man, no passive stone Stand up and call your soul your own Go on alone, go on alone Vanish weakness, go on alone Go on alone, go on alone Don't look back, just go on alone Some men lack the daring Ever to be free They shun the heights and cloud the depths and court security. Come, you're a man, no passive stone. Stand up and call your soul your own. Go on alone, go on alone. Banish weakness, go on alone. Go on alone, go on alone. Don't look back, just go on alone. See, but pride in singularity. Oh, never mind if men are wrong so long as they agree. Come, you're a man, no passive stone. Stand up and call your soul your own. Go on alone, go on alone. Vanish weakness, go on alone. Go on alone, go on alone Don't look back, just go on alone Claim the power within you Error to defy The world may change or disappear But truth can never Stand up and call your soul your own Go on alone, go on alone Banish weakness, go on alone Go on alone, go on alone Don't look back, just go on alone